Hello and welcome today to the first episode of the Moving Around series of podcasts with me, Kevin McKenna. And me, Zai Gortez. Um, so today we're going to talk a little about the reasons why people are moving around, using our own stories and stories of those closest to us. So um, I'll kick off, I think. Um, so I am Irish, more, more specifically Northern Irish. <laughs> and for several reasons, uh, people have chosen to leave Ireland in the past and the present. Um, so the most notable reason, obviously, is Anne Gorton Moore, or in English, The Great Hunger, uh, which seen in a six-year period uh, in the 1800s, over one million lives lost, um, often referred to as the Irish Potato Famine. In this period, uh, and several decades following, there was over six million people that left Ireland, which is crazy. crazy. Yeah, madness. Um, so basically what had happened was there was not one food crisis, but several. Um, as the potato crop failed in 1845, 1846 and every year basically until 1849 um, and the rural Irish poor many were many of whom were subsistence farmers uh, and they rented small plots of land and they were very reliant on the potato for their staple diets um, there's a brilliant piece of work by David Nally or yeah David Nally got it right <laughs> um, named uh, I think it's Inhuman Encumbrances Political Violence and the Irish Famine Mm-hmm. Um, so basically Nally examines the complexities and nuances um, of the political, economic and social context of the Irish famine, comparing it with Africa today. Um, by studying archives of like contemporary material, Nally, Nally analyses the, the human perceptions that shape political decision-making and had a direct burden in the lives of millions of poor farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, many many things that Nally discusses are top are as topical and controversial today as they were almost two centuries ago, um, centering on the ethics of free markets and non-intervention versus intervention in the form of government aid. Um, Nally suggests in his work that Africa, a land synonymous with disease and starvation, is a major supplier of raw materials, including the likes of diamonds, gold, um, oil, and this basically yeah, basically. And this underpins the, the affluence of Western societies. Um, and basically, yeah, the current focus on food and availability supply um, mass these resources, and which are unevenly distributed and consumed. Um, and this is referred by some political analysts as the resource curse. So basically, there's all these resources, uh, natural resources, which they're pumping basically abroad to Western mm-hmm. societies. Yeah. And um, it means that they're not focusing all their other resources on food, etc., for the actual population. Um, but yeah, uh, Nally's research shows that famines not only destroyed lives, but very often whole ways of life. So even in Ireland, uh, for example, the Irish people were silent victims, we like, of the famine, mm-hmm. in that um, in 1800, half of the population conversed in Irish, the official language. Um, at the turn of the 20th century, that figure has now been reduced to a mere 14% which is crazy, like that's, what, 35% or 36% that's just dropped. Um, but I think when we think about famine, we quite we think of Africa mm-hmm. um, as like a really famineous nation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just Africa that's suffering famine, it's also Albania, for example, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so the average monthly earnings in Albania are around 430 US dollars, which is about 348 pounds. Which is absolutely crazy, like for a household to have that low of an income. Um, 
especially in a European country, and families on this income are struggling to feed their families, um, and there's a 34% poverty rate in the country. Um, in Albania? Yeah, well, that's 2017 as well, so obviously after a global pandemic and the rise in energy costs uh, due to Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine, I'm sure that's massively increased. Um, yeah, and, and so in terms of yeah, and that's also led then to a massive, um, a massive increase in migration to the UK because obviously the the income, the average income in the UK is a lot higher at thirty two thousand roughly a year, mm-hmm. um, and we've seen this in the news recently about all the people migrating because of the better economic opportunities and. I think a lot of people, however, also migrate due to, for example, um, political instability or social unrest. Um, like my mum decided to migrate to England from Northern Ireland uh, due to the ongoing conflicts of the Troubles uh, from the 1970s into the early 2000s. Um, she migrated roughly in about the 1980s because she was lucky enough to uh, get accepted into Oxford University because she's very academic. Um, and then eventually met my father and moved up to Bolton and had me. Um, and then when things became more politically stable, she decided to move back to Northern Ireland um, in the early 2000s with me <laughs> um, because the Good Friday Agreement had been established and there was a stable assembly and it looked as if uh, Northern Ireland had better prospects in the future. Um, and I think this isn't unique to Northern Ireland. Um, I recently talked to my friend Laura, who's from Poland, and she mentioned that she'd migrated to study um, from Poland to Northern Ireland, um, as she identified as lesbian uh, in her own country in Poland mm-hmm. and was scared about kind of her future and just the the lack of awareness of homosexuality in Poland and um, there's a lack of kind of the awareness around the stigma around um, homosexuality and how that can impact a person um, and I think Northern Ireland in 2019 recently legalised gay marriage um, and that was a massive kind of pull factor for Northern Ireland because um, not only are the universities of a high standard they also kind of because Northern Ireland now had this political stability and this um, acceptance of homosexuality she felt like she could be herself at university uh, which she never been able to to do in her own country in Poland um, and I think many LGBTQI plus individuals are are not very lucky um, like Laura or my mum in some ways as well to be able to migrate um, for academia mm-hmm. um, and there's I think over 70 countries worldwide that still criminalise homosexual relationships which is absolutely crazy like in 2023 that that exists and exactly. um, but I think as well, like when we think of migration, we often think of immigration. Mm-hmm. So um, like this dominates the media. Um, you've seen like the whole border situation in the US, like what Trump did with the whole um, the whole fence thing and the wall he's going to yeah. build. Um, but there's a lot of emigration globally, um, even from economically developed nations and pretty stable countries. Like like Ireland's economy is something like third in, the, in Europe. Um, and has a GDP per capita of over $100,000 a year per person. Um, and I would say it's pretty 
politically stable, it has a score of about 0.86, mm-hmm. um, which is considered really high. Um, but so a lot of Irish people in modern times migrate. Um, and many of my friends actually back home now live in Australia, the United States, and they've graduated as engineers, architects, accountants, um, some even as politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when I asked why they moved, they largely said due to uh, the lifestyle, like a better work, better life balance in Australia or in the US. Um, like the weather is better, for example, <laughs> which means like they can do more exercise outdoors, which mm-hmm. a lot of my friends love doing anyway in Ireland. Like they yeah. love hiking, they love climbing, but they can't really do that at home or surfing, for example, because you have the restraints of like freezing cold weather and mm-hmm. the body doesn't seem to like that very much. <laughs> um, and I think there's a, there is a big link as well between um, a better lifestyle and also a better working career. Mm-hmm. Like um, I done a survey of kind of my five closest friends who've moved to Australia um, and I asked them all what their income was and the average overall worked out to around Mm £156,000 which they never would have got in the UK and that's one of the reasons they moved abroad is because they've seen that they could get paid nearly double what they get paid in Northern Ireland it's It's crazy or even the UK in general Mm -hmm. um um but yeah, they, so, also, so they get paid double of like the normal salary and then also have these great lifestyle benefits, which means then they're more likely to get promoted. Like they all promoted within the first year of their of living in Australia. Mm-hmm. And um, I think as a part um, So Zai, you also migrated to the UK and mm-hmm. your family are from the Philippines? Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> so you obviously didn't migrate for the weather, <laughs> like my <not>. friends. <laughs> because it's pretty miserable here but um was it like the was it the political stability or was it the education um like my friend laura from poland um -hmm. or was it kind of like economic reasons to migrate to uk like my friends or perhaps was it a mixture of all of those um all kind of into one actually yes it was a mixture of both economic and um slightly political reasons actually maybe social reasons actually and yeah as you said yes Kevin I am from the Philippines and I didn't come all the way here for food and the weather um I was born and raised in the Philippines for a few years in Kansas City in the capital while my mum worked in the UK so she was able to afford my citizenship and say this into the UK and everything like that mm-hmm. um my mum was actually one of the first batches of Filipino nurses that was hired by the NHS and moved from the Philippines to the UK in the early 20s. And yes, the Philippines still today currently remains one of the world's largest exporter of nurses with over 22,000 employed in the NHS. Wow. And yeah, I'll be looking into kind of why like there is such a high global demand for overseas nurses and why the UK has been such a key destination for Filipino nurses. Mm-hmm. In relation to my mother, one of the main reasons why she moved to the UK was for the better prospects of me and my education and my future like job prospectuses as there's way more job opportunities and things I can do more here in the UK 
and have had a UK education rather than have had in the Philippines. As in the Philippines, there is no public or some kind of free education system. Everything, mm-hmm. even like the public system, public schooling there, you start to pay small fees like for your books, for um, any other things there. Everything has a small fee. Everything's kind of paid for. That's why many are uneducated or unable to get jobs and not all are lucky to have a education. Um, luckily, my grandparents were able to afford and put them on through school and education nursing to be able to move to the UK. Wow. Um, so yeah, one of the main reasons was economic, so she can help fund for my uncle, her brother's university education and give back money to my grandparents as they're quite old and aren't able to work mm-hmm. as much. Due to the exchange rate, that was one of the main factors. She chose the UK because the exchange rate right now, one pound equals to about 60 to 65 U- Sorry, US <laughs> to Philippine pesos. Yeah. And as well because sometimes I would give my cousin 20, 30 Philippine pesos and that's about maybe 10, 20p. And they're static. It can buy so much more, like for can't them. Can't get anything for that here, like. Can I they? know. Literally, can't even buy a Fredo anymore. Yeah, or a space rooms for like twenty p. Nothing. Neither like a pound. It's mm-hmm. crazy. So, economy mm-hmm. and exchange rate are one of the main factors, especially because the Philippines relies heavily, heavily, sorry, on remittances from foreign. Nationals. Currently, remittances total about ten percent of the Philippines GDP, and around twenty-five percent of Philippines households' income and finances are remittances, which are funds from Philippines nationals living in mm-hmm. other countries, giving back money to the Philippines to their family so they can live better. In twenty twenty-two. The remittances that were brought in to the Philippines totaled to just over 38 billion US dollars. Wow, it's massive. Which is insane. Yeah. Uh, Imagine what you could do with that money. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe fund the NHS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But, yeah. The Philippines heavily relies on foreign nationals. So one of the reasons why the UK does hire a lot of Filipino nurses is because the UK has slowly been reducing the funding for homegrown nurses and training for UK nationals and people studying here Mm -hmm. to join and be part of the NHS. Actually, since the 1980s, they've been slowly reducing funding and declining the amount of money they've been pouring into the system to Mm -hmm. build, train, nurses in the UK. That's crazy because one of the main things that um, the opposition of the current government argue is that it's a conservative's fault for underfunding the mm-hmm. NHS but it's clearly been happening for a very long time even before the conservatives exactly. have been in power. It's both Labour yeah. and Conservative parties mm. that have been involved in this not just since austerity like measures lar- of the yeah. Conservative party. It's like a larger place. political issue Definitely. of funding. That nobody talks about or nobody really knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the last nail in this coffin came about in around 2016 when the bursary for nursing students was completely scrapped. 
completely taken out of the budget. As a result, the graduation rate for nurses in the UK are 27 per 100,000 people. That's crazy. Less than 1% for every 100k. This is because it is cheaper for the UK to hire and bring in nurses than to train them and give bursaries and funding. That's why the UK and the Philippines have formed a bilateral agreement in which allowed right now currently over 40,000 Filipino workers to be Mm -hmm. in the NHS and working in the UK. So this has created a highly win-win situation for both the UK NHS and health Mm -hmm. care sector and the Philippine government as the Philippine government are getting huge amounts of remittances and funding into the economy while the UK is being able to fill their deficit in healthcare, nurses and reducing the funding for training individuals. You would suspect that there is a brain drain in the Philippines as the UK is technically sucking dry, you know. (laughs) These robbing all the nurses. Robbing all the nurses, <laughs> especially, you know, important um, jobs yeah. for the economy and just the social well-being of the nation. Mm-hmm. But actually, even though there are thousands of Filipino workers leaving the Philippines, there isn't such a brain drain as one. Many individuals are looking and seeking to leave the country. So it's the constant flow of people mm-hmm. willing to leave and get educated and get jobs. So there's a constant, I would say, like conveyor belt of working class. Oh, yeah. And the population is a lot higher as well in the Philippines as well. Definitely. So that definitely aids in it. There isn't much of an aging population mm-hmm. due to the lack of social funding and public health care because mm-hmm. it's private in the Philippines. Oh, there okay. is no free health care. Everything's paid for. Thus, people would die off quicker. Yeah. There isn't such an aging population. So there's That's one of the masters we're facing at the moment. That's why we need nurses. Mm-hmm. It's because exactly. of the aging population. Exactly. Which is interesting. Right. Um, so, yes. Current trends in the UK regarding migration in 2023 is 2.240 per thousand of the population, a 12.91% decline from 2022. That's crazy because at the moment, obviously, there's the Stop the Boats campaign and this whole asylum situation in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Yet there's actually a decrease in migration, migration. to the UK. Exactly. Uh, I'm surprised as from COVID there was massive halt in travel and Ooh, migration that there isn't any gap, you know, in the economy for these migration to fill. Mm-hmm. This issue and trend isn't only seen in the UK, but in the US as well. Mm-hmm. As we all know, President Trump tried to place protectionist and restrictive immigration policies 
to reduce migration of foreigners into the US, when actually there's been a massive decrease in the overall migration trends between now and latest figures in the past 1960s, there's a 20% drop in the net migration. Wow. Because currently it's only around 8.7% and it was almost 30% in the mid-1900s. So there's actually been a massive decrease in migration, though Trump was putting out other notions. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they need to use it as a political tool to cause like a moral panic so Definitely. they vote for them and mm-hmm. then it's not actually true so it's maybe false information as well yeah. published out there. Like his policies and statements about voting a war, mm-hmm. needing to protect the USA is generally false yeah. you know, regarding these figures. And you can imagine for, for immigrants in a country that could be very harmful for their reputation. Definitely, as you know, it's very important what political notions about your country are said, such as in Albania and in the UK and Ireland. Well, at the moment, what I'd be thinking about is obviously the the perception we have of Albanians and, for example, Eastern Europeans in in the UK, like mm-hmm. that's something my friend Laura mentioned when I talked to her. There is a definitely, definitely negative the racism and the mm-hmm. or not racism, but more just preconceived conceptions of mm-hmm. what an Eastern European looks like and they're stealing our jobs and yes. all these kind of conceptions. But actually, they're filling in the gaps in our market, yeah, like because. Yeah. Many UK individuals aren't willing to take on types of jobs in the mm-hmm. hospitality and construction sector in which these nationals and people are willing to fill. Yeah, yeah. And even like nursing, for example, um, because of the because of the wage levels, a lot of people would say, well, I'm not going to be a nurse for 20-something thousand a year mm-hmm. when the UK average is 32,000. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone from the Philippines, that's a really high income. As you said earlier, like Mm -hmm. 18,000 converted into their native currency could basically financially support a whole family nearly in terms of your grandparents and uncles and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's a crazy amount of money. One month's salary here for a nurse in the UK will probably be able to fund a family for maybe about two, three months. Wow. Which is crazy. But overall, in summary... We have seen today a variety of reasons for migration that are not country-specific from Mm -hmm. economically developed countries such as Ireland to less economically developed countries such as Albania, Poland and the Philippines. There are trends of migrating for economic, political as well as social reasons. To end this podcast, I just want to state that in order to effectively tackle current migration issues, we are not only need to focus on immigration but emigration. More economically developed countries are losing thousands of talented individuals every year, such as your friends who moved from Ireland to Australia, mm-hmm. and governments need to push and do more to keep them at home. Obviously, we can't fix the weather and the food, <laughs> but <laughs> we can definitely improve the global standard of age, or at least make it companies pay the same in all more economically developed countries. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.